Hi, Dan. It's lovely to speak to you again. Now, we touched on it briefly last month, but we are going to take more time on it today. Is about is there such a thing as food addiction and uh, what we can do about it? Great. Um, hi, Alex. Thank you for having me back on the show again. Um, time flies, doesn't it? Like I remember it you said this once a month and yeah. here we are another month on and, and another show. Um, but yeah, I think today's topic is a really important one. And um, I don't know necessarily if I've got any addictions, but I've certainly come across many people who do. And I would say to answer your question uh, straight out that yes, food addiction is a real thing. Um, it can be a real thing for some people. Um, and there's two levels, I'd say, with, with addictions to anything. There's the emotional addiction, and then there's a physical addiction. Um, and of course, that depends on what you're addicted to. So we know that you can be addicted to gambling. You know you can be addicted to uh, you know drugs or alcohol. Uh, obviously, the alcohol and the drugs have a very different physical impact on your body. Maybe it's harder to define the physical impact of the chemical releases in your mind through gambling. But there is definitely an emotional and also the physical connection here. And from my experience, if you think about what food actually is, food is two things for most of us. It's a fuel source that we eat because, of course, it's going to keep us alive, give us nutrition, etc. But it's also an emotional connection, isn't it, to make us feel better. And yes, the thing that definitely. I realize with food is that many of us are probably the victim or also kind of the success story of our of our upbringing. So if you've been raised in a family where as I'm sure most of us have been, food was probably a major theme of like family get-togethers, is a major theme about how we used to celebrate occasions. Then, of course, there's certain associations with food that I found very hard around Christmas, for instance, to kind of not have Christmas pudding because I don't want the sugar content, but I'm, I, I kind of feel like it's my tradition. And, of course, the food addicts I've met, some of them will actually say they could see habits forming when they were younger, which kind of became a crutch for them in later life. And the emotional element of food addiction is massive for them. Yeah, I feel that's um, a really important point, especially of people of a certain age where our parents' generation did have to uh, ration food and, and things were hard to come by. And it was very much seen as you ate everything on your plate. You did not waste food because otherwise you were seen as being, you know, that was the wrong thing to do. And like you said, food is given seen as a thing that you give as a reward, as a treat, as people that you love, you you ask them in and, and you feed them. And I think it's it's becoming very clear with all the, obviously what's going on this year and this whole talk about whether we can all get together for Christmas. And it's all centred around that big Christmas meal that we all want to have together. And um, we don't uh, need to eat any more on that day but it's a psychological thing that we certainly probably will one question i have is um i've read somewhere and i don't know whether you can answer this question but whether you had any opinion on it is that um you're often addicted to things that you're kind of uh actually allergic to is that oh, something you've heard that. of no that's something i've heard of that you often crave things that um aren't actually good for you. And I, I, I just didn't know whether you had an opinion on that one. <laughs> well, I guess in a way, it depends on what you're addicted to. So, I mean, being addicted to food itself isn't bad for you, is it? Because, no, of course, exactly. well, obviously it is bad. It is an addiction level, but food itself isn't bad. Addicted to sex, if, if we didn't have any of that, then, of course, there'd be no human species. So I guess, uh, you know, it, it depends on the, on the quantity. But I've got here, because I'm going to say, just the difference between the emotional connection with food, but where it becomes an addiction, is obviously the, the key point here before we go to the physical. And I'm just on the NHS website, and it said, an addiction is defined as not having control over doing taking or using something to the point where you could be harmful to you 
And this is what I've noticed with somebody who has a food addiction. On that emotional level, they sometimes feel a sense of being cut off from the world or really isolated, really kind of lonely. And it's almost like the emotional connection with food becomes a replacement for the way that they're feeling as a crutch for them. And yeah, that's when I'd say it like, becomes the addiction. Yeah, about, um, you talk about that because people talk about comfort eating, don't they? And when the weather gets cold, we need food to comfort us, um, at, like a big hug, you know, this lovely warm stew or whatever you're going to eat. Um, and with the food addictions, as opposed to what you're saying about gambling as well, we do need food to fuel. So it's a, a conundrum, isn't it? Because you can be addicted to something that you actually do need. And that's how a lot of obviously eating disorders come about, that it's it's you're fighting against something that you do need to have a certain amount of it. As you were saying, it's just uh, what it is. The is really hard if you're addicted to it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that emotional thing is really difficult. And I know there are there's a OA, for instance, Overeaters Anonymous, which is an amazing organisation that I know of. People who have been to that step programme where they get the fellowship to help them through the addiction, which I think is a really powerful thing. Um, but of course, there is another element to addiction as well, and that's a phys- physical, uh, physiological um, element that happens to our body. And in particular, there are foods which have been made to make them more likely to be addictive to us. And this is the element which I think is quite sinister. So when it comes to emotional eating, when it comes to that kind of addiction, you can get help for that. But we seem to have a food industry built on addiction, in my opinion. So for instance, in nature, it is almost impossible to get sugar, uh, salt and fat in the same food together. In fact, that's almost impossible to find in nature. But as human beings, we have made that. I think the only exception is something like milk, which has got sugar and also fat in it. But most things don't. Because in a way, there's a bliss point that the marketing agencies have come up with and the manufacturers have come up with to make sure that when we eat just the right amount of sugar, salt and fat in the same food, our brains sing and think this is perfect. And that can very easily be an addiction. Now, I don't think I personally have an addiction, but certainly if I eat breaded chicken, I want more breaded chicken. If I just have chicken, I don't really feel like having more. I get full quite quickly. There's obviously something going on there, which is a physiological response. And I would say that those foods, of course, are made with lots of sugar, lots of processed, like bad fats and things. They're on purpose trying to make us eat more and more of them. And many of us know, and I'm not saying you've got an addiction to this, many of us know the feeling of having a craving for those sorts of foods. And if you feel like you eat them, there are certain crisp brands. I know people will say they'll eat them continuously and never feel full up. And they're just going to have more and more and more of it. Uh, almost I was like going to mention the that. They can't stop. I was exactly. going to mention that certain brand as well. That is, it's once you pop, you don't stop, isn't it? And yeah. I've heard that they do coat those in something that uh, makes is is that that kind of Moorish thing where you 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 don't realise that you've eaten more and more until it's all yeah. done. Um, now, is that an addiction or is that on the way to addiction? It's hard to say, but clearly, physiologically, your brain is doing something, your body's doing something, which is like it's getting a signal to say eat more of this food, and if you don't eat it, and and what I'd say is this. If it's not manufactured, if it's real food, let's look at broccoli. Let's look at like liver or steak or whatever you want to look at or eggs. I don't know anyone who goes crazy saying, I've got to eat more eggs or I've got to eat more onions. I've got to eat more celery. I've got to eat more broccoli. They don't do that, do they? But no. if, when it comes to manufactured foods, that's where people say, oh, it's really bad, but I couldn't help myself. I had to get the extra biscuit. I had to go whatever it was because it's been made for humans and it's been designed for us to make us want to eat it. And that's the that could become an addiction as well. So would you say that was any one particular thing? Is that because I know that we have t- in in the, the sort of in, in quotes diet industry, we have times when fat was used to be thought of as really bad and salt is seen as quite bad anyway because of blood pressure and, and, and to do with your heart. So they have, I think that's still proven. Um, but now sugar is 
the one that people talk about more. Has that kind of overtaken on fat now? Well, that's or a really good question. Or it depends on which so, fat. So, so basically, yeah. So going back in the past, it was always seen that, um, well, it's seen for a long, long time, should I say, the last 40 years or so, that fat was the problem and that fat causes the issues. But there's some really interesting research I saw recently by Dr. David Onwin, and he said, actually, salt's not the cause of the high blood pressure. It's the sugar and the oh. high carbohydrate, especially refined carbohydrates. It's actually an inflammation disease where your, your cells are being inflamed, and effectively that is causing problems like water retention. And if you, for instance, cut out – this is what I found – if you cut out carbohydrate and sugar from your diet, you actually lose a lot of weight very quickly. And that's quite often water retention you're carrying that you lose very quickly because you don't need to hold it so much. And then you should have more salt. So actually, I when I was fasting for five days, I was having salt each day because I was losing my salts otherwise. I had to increase the amount of salt I had. And if you go for a lower carbohydrate diet, higher fat, then salt's quite good. And but, you're saying that's um, refined carbohydrates, isn't it? Well, generally, I mean, it depends what happens. If you can try to make the the, the carbohydrate not break down so fast into sugar, then that would be better for you. And so more fiber in your diet is certainly good if you're going to eat carbohydrates. I would also say you can go slightly further and probably cut most carbohydrates out, which is what I do. So I eat green vegetables, for instance, which are carbohydrate. I don't have grains because I don't feel the need to. uh, And I'm absolutely fine with that. And I feel absolutely healthy doing that. Um, But yeah, you could, I suppose you could say, uh, refined grains are worse for you because the sugar release is quicker and it'll go into your blood sugar, uh, blood sugar quicker. Uh, whereas like non-refined, it'd probably be a bit slower. And so that would be pretty better overall. However, I'd still go further and say you didn't need either. <laughs> which is so, quite controversial i appreciate yes, i know and and it, i kind of think it's something that maybe you can aspire to as well or work towards rather than just if you wish and i well i honestly believe this is the thing i think has gone wrong with dietary advice i think it's being far too prescriptive and people are being told what to do the way i look at these things is um you know my choices are for me and i will talk about my choices but as individuals, we all make our own choices based on our own our own like physical condition or our own health needs or whatever works for us. And my mum's diet is completely different to mine. And that's what works for her. And I completely respect that. So I would never say you should be doing anything, actually. I'm not qualified and also I'm not uh, who am I to say anything like that. I just think the information is out there. Look it up for yourself and do some research. And and for my background, my degree is in archaeology. So I very much looked at this from the Paleolithic through the Neolithic period and what's happened to our diets in that time. And human beings have been around, let's say, like two million years. And in that time, you can see a huge change in what's happened uh, to our diet. You know, like we've had the similar sort of diet for most of that time. And then recently it just changed whereby we've gone to agriculture and the foods we eat and ultra processed food. That's been the last sort of 40 years. Mm. So, of course, I'd say from an evolutionary point of view, it's had a massive impact on our health. Whereas if you think about what we've eaten for a long time, and this is my choice, meat, fish, eggs, green vegetables, I think that's a really good healthy choice. Yeah. If you were looking to reduce the sugar in your diet for that reason of trying to go away, is a general rule to go away from processed foods because they all contain, as you just said, which I hadn't realised, they contain all three things. Yeah, the bliss point stuff. That's exactly, there's a bliss point in your mind. Okay, this is my personal opinion. Don't eat processed food. I mean, you know, I think we can all agree. It doesn't matter which side of like the dietary argument you come from. I think we can all agree that processed food is not as good as you for you as real food. And if you just had, you know, real fruit and vegetables, real meat and fish and whatever, 
and then your your stuff you're eating doesn't have more than like you know like a long list of ingredients on it with lots of e numbers etc if your food is fairly simple and it is natural i think you're doing okay generally i think the problem is when people are going into this very high processed food so just an example you might go and buy a chicken breast and think to yourself this is just real food it's just chicken but have a look on the back it has it actually come from like a shop where it's been uh, injected with certain chemicals to make it last longer have a longer shelf life it might have had seed oils put into it to make it look better or it might have a coating on it there's all these things that actually be surprised as not real food and actually if you start looking at the labels and realizing what you're eating I think real food is the best guideline to go by. Now, there's an organization, a charity called the Public Health Collaboration. And if you're interested in checking out what they do, it's a mixture of doctors and experts who are basically their message in a core three words is eat real food. And that's what they say, that the food out there that a lot of people are eating on a daily basis is not real. It's got probably more sugar, more salt and more kind of you know, seed oil fats put into it on purpose just for that very reason to make your mind want it more. And that's why it's not real food, but it's actually going to have detrimental effect and chronic effects over time by eating it. That's great. Well, and it's not great, but thank you very much for um, enlightening us on that one. And I think that's a great place to leave it. Eat real food. And I think your uh, message there to look at the labels, look at what's on it. And then if it's a great big long list, that's probably maybe not such a, a good thing to go for. The way I see it is if it has a long list of ingredients and preservatives, etc., it's probably there to make the food live longer not necessarily to make you live longer. (laughs) That's a very good point. Thanks ever so much, Dan. That's really interesting yet again. And we'll speak to you next month. Yeah, look forward to it. Cheers, Alex.